Good morning. Wow, so good to be with you all here today. This has been such an incredible start to today. Uh, just to worship with you guys, it's so, so beautiful. Yeah, good morning to you all. We're starting today the Secret Place series. We are so excited for this, and uh, it's gonna be an incredible journey over the next eight weeks of what God's gonna share with us. And uh, we as a team are so excited uh, for these next eight weeks. We've been praying over this. We're looking forward to it. And we're gonna get started today talking about this. And uh, I was looking back on my phone this past week uh, to exactly one year ago, January 31st, 2020. Can you put yourself where you were just a year ago? Obviously, maybe not to the exact day, but just one year ago, where were you? What were you going through? Um, I looked on my phone to see if I had any pictures of where I was one year ago, and I looked on my phone and had screenshotted two different things. One uh, was my ETA. I was actually in North Carolina at a friend's church, and I was driving back with another friend. We were just there leading worship, and I screenshotted another thing, which is a statement that the WHO, the WHO organization put out, the World Health Organization put out on this disease called COVID, okay? And I remember screenshotting, I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of crazy. Like, what, what's going on here? 365 days ago, I had no clue really what this was. Can you guys relate with me, right? Like, we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into 365 days ago. And uh, as we kind of journeyed through last year into February, into March, we entered into some of our first online services we ever did. Uh, and then in April, I got to share a message on the secret place. And uh, it felt the right timing to talk about the secret place is when you and I were trapped in our homes where we couldn't go anywhere, where we were having to be alone with God. Uh, and we started these things called seven and seven. And we really started diving into this theme called the secret place uh, when everything was shut down. I mean, there were no restaurants. Uh, last April, the NCAA March Madness tournament was canceled. Uh, I'm a huge Tennessee fan and I still believe they would have won uh, if, if they would have made it. Um, maybe some, some, some heart issues on forgiveness I have to work through. But <clears throat> everything was shut down, and so we, we began to speak on the secret place. And we would start to say, when life gets back to normal, right? When life gets back to normal, when I can get my kids back into sports and back into school and restaurants are open, concerts are open, as if normal was when we were just going from thing to thing to thing. And we're still saying that, when things will get back to to normal, will and if things will get back to normal. And something that God was just really speaking to me through this, this time preparing for the secret place once again is it's so easy uh, to talk about the secret place when life is busy, but what about now when our lives are starting to pick up? And so when we look back when we talked about this a year ago, um, will that have been a season of our life where we look back and we say, wow, you remember when everything was shut down? Well, will that have been a moment in our life when God got us so still to teach us that he longs to get us still every day to meet with you and to me? My uh, dad and I, we were talking this past week about a little bit of church history and just kind of the crazy journey of the church. 
And I love that conversation, and I wanted you to share. Could you share a little bit about the church history, and then we'll kind of relate how that ties in right now. Can you give me the microphone right yeah, now? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about how, with the best of intentions, about 500 A.D., the church took sermons out of the common man's language, took prayers, took songs, <clears throat> and took all scripture. In fact, about 500 AD, the church said only a few people <clears throat> can understand the Bible, and they put it in Latin. And so if you couldn't read or write Latin, you couldn't understand the Bible. And so everyone then would go to church, not understand the sermons. Everyone would hear the prayers, not understand the prayers. Everyone would hear the songs, not hear, understand the songs. In fact, they took singing out of the church, and that's when they started doing the chants. Remember those? Gregorian chants? That's where that came from. So about AD 500, the church said, we're going to take, you know, the Bible out, the sermons out, the scriptures out, and nobody can understand anything. So no wonder people quit going to church. No wonder all those great cathedrals sat empty, and they're still empty today all over Europe. And so about a thousand years later, in 1500, a guy by the name of William Tyndall said, <clears throat> even though it's illegal, I'm going to put the Bible in the common man's language. And so William Tyndall did. He put the Bible in the common man's language, and it was illegal. The church was so upset with him, they impaled him, and they burned him to the stake. Oh. If you didn't know that, they were really upset with him, okay? They impaled him, and then they fried him. And so here the guy is, just not, you know, he puts the Bible in the common man's language. Gutenberg printing press has already been out, and now Johann Gutenberg's printing press is going wild. In 38 days, now the scriptures just go throughout all of Europe. And so the great part was that the people start going back to church, not really the secret place, not understanding that personal relationship, but about 1500 AD, people started coming back to church because now the scriptures, the songs, the sermons, and the prayers are all in the common man's language. Yeah, very good, Dad. You're, you're so, yeah, it's like you're communicating. Uh, no, what I appreciate about our conversation was is how we talked on this and how always the church began to become a place where they had this power that if, if you can only come to us to hear the word, you can only come to us to receive worship. And, and honestly, over the past couple hundred years, things haven't really changed much. Uh, for some reason, the culture is, is if you wanna hear and be fed, you need to come to church. If you want to worship, you need to come be led by someone who has a guitar and can sing and lead you in worship. But the truth is, Jesus never intended this to be your, med your secret place with him. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew, how a time is coming. He's meeting this woman at the well, if you guys remember the story. He said, a time is coming where it's not about worshiping on this mountain or on this temple. He said, a time is coming where true worshipers will meet with me in spirit and in truth. God's plan for so long has been for you and I to begin to meet with him in the secret place. God's plan for so long was you and I to begin to dwell with him, to walk through life with him. And so, you know, as the, the, the church got taken away this year for some of us, uh, and as life gets busy and gets crazy, uh, I was having a conversation with your parents this week, and even churches that are illegal in six countries around, we, they can't even meet. Christianity is not even legal. What would it look like in our world if we had no place to gather you and I will always be created for the secret place. 
God has designed us to meet with him one-on-one. So how do we, in the chaos of life, learn to be still, to be still and meet with God each and every day? So we're gonna dive in today. We're gonna talk, it's gonna be one scripture verse. Uh, I wanna invite you guys to get your Bibles out, your notes out. We're gonna start uh, diving in here today. But as you do, I just wanna pray, invite God to really just move today. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what you're speaking. Thank you for what you're communicating. Lord, um, we know that you are inviting us to be closer, to be near you. And so we welcome you, Holy Spirit. Would you speak loudly today? Um, Would you be so real? And would your word jump out of the pages? Would you speak to every heart in this room? Well, we're here today for you and you alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> okay, we're going to be in Psalm 27 today. If you guys have your Bible, uh, I'll invite you to open with, and we're going to journey through uh, two verses of Scripture, okay? Uh, and God is going to release something over your life that is so profound uh, that he's been speaking to me. Psalm 27, 4. Uh, I'm going to read this out loud for you guys. It says, One thing have I asked. Everyone say one thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire him in his temple. Say one thing. So David's pursuit here was simply one thing. It was to know God and to be near him. Uh, What I love about this verse is we're gonna go one verse back to verse three, okay? Psalm 27, verse three. And now we're gonna read both of those verses together. It says, though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing, everyone say one thing. Have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. So this is an incredible, let me give some context to what's going on. This verse three says, though an army encamp against me, David in this moment, catch this, is literally in the middle of war where an army is encircling him. He is surrounded by his enemies. Okay, I don't know if you guys have ever been surrounded. Uh, I don't think many of you have experienced this, but picture yourself literally surrounded by an enemy. Uh, Recently, I was watching this show, and uh, I'm not gonna recommend you guys to watch this necessarily, but uh, it it is a a great TV show, um, and we were watching this, and it's in Spanish, so I'm I'm trying to work on my Spanish right now, and uh, that's my excuse. Um, this story is, it's called Money Heist. It's Casa de Papel in Spanish, okay? I don't know if you've seen this on Netflix. Uh, it's this scary looking image. If you can pull this up on the screen, okay? These are the costumes to the bank robbers, okay? And, and let, me, let me, before you're like, Ethan, you're, you're not a Christian. What's wrong with you? Let me, let me just give some backstory. So this guy has this idea that he's gonna break into the Bank of Spain And he is going to, they're all dressed up in this outfit. They're gonna break into the Bank of Spain and now they're gonna start printing 
the, the, the money. So it's not counterfeit money. They're printing the real money from Spain. And now they're trying to hijack billions of dollars from this, all right? You're like, why are you into that? I'm like, who, who wouldn't be into this story, right? This is a is fa- fascinating, uh, totally fictional. And so the way that they would do this is they, they would get their team of people, and these are not criminals. These are actually like, it kind of made it seem like this modern day Robin Hood type feel where they were going in to really give back to the people and whatnot. And so these people would go in dressed in this costume, then they would dress everyone who worked in there in this costume. So now you've got 100 people with these outfits on, okay, with the dolly mask on. And if you were surrounded by that, would you not be freaking out, right? <clears throat> so the whole guy's purpose is whenever a cop or someone would come in and try to negotiate, all these people would come out in this outfit and they would literally just line up and the person would be right in the middle. They all had fake guns on, okay? So what you're seeing is, is something where these are actually the, the, the people, the, the hostages who are completely harmless surrounding the police officer, okay? So these people are actually locked up and the guns they're holding are completely fake. And the police officers walk in and they see this, they're surrounded, and of course, they get frozen in fear because they see this. And what they can see is that I'm surrounded by creepy people in dolly masks right now with guns on and they're gonna take me out you know, if I do something wrong. And what I loved about this analogy is this is no uh, really different than what you and I experience in our life. Uh, the role of the devil, the enemy, is he wants to make you feel like you are surrounded by something But what I'm learning in Colossians 2, the devil has no power over you once you receive Jesus anymore. So he wants to make you feel surrounded, but in all reality, there is nothing he can do to you. So we have this story of David where he feels, right, that he is literally surrounded. And so I wanna to, to write this down today. The only attempt the devil has, his goal today, in your life is to make you think things that are untrue. He wants to make you think things that are not real. He wants to make you feel like you are surrounded. And we're gonna talk through this a little more. David, could feel like he was literally surrounded, but he had one pursuit in his life. And and I want you guys to write this down. This is a one point message. And so this is it for today, okay? His sole purpose was to know him and be near him. That's the sole point of today's message. And we're gonna talk about this. To know him and be near him. See, when that isn't, our one pursuit in life, to know God and be near him. It's, it's so simple. To literally, I long to know you, God, and I long to be near you. When that isn't the number one pursuit in our life, this is what happens. Uh, the first is restless. You and I begin to feel so restless. Picture David surrounded by enemies. If he was worrying about what was going on and not making God his number one pursuit, 
Can you imagine how restless he would be? If you were surrounded by those people and those masks, can you imagine how restless you would be? Uh, I don't know if you guys can relate to any sleepless nights where you are literally laying on your bed imagining the what ifs in your life. Anyone relate with me? What if this happens? You know, what if, what if this happens in my life? The enemy is constantly after you for you to begin to think more and more the what ifs. Because when you can think of all the what ifs, you're gonna take your eyes off of the one thing, which is him. So his constant pursuit in your life is to make you feel so restless and think things that are untrue so that you stay awake at night and you're thinking of, what if this happens? What if this happens? Did you guys know that sleeping medication right now is at an all-time high? Uh, I was watching something on TV last night and boom, commercial comes up, sleeping medication. You know, we are in a time and a period where we are so restless thinking of the what ifs. The second thing the enemy wants to do in your life is he wants you to feel trapped. Write this down, the word trapped. This is his pursuit in your life. We can all relate to this word trapped uh, if we go back to April 2020, correct? We all know the feeling of what it was like to be trapped in our homes or nowhere to go, nothing to do. This is the enemy's goal in your life is to make you feel like there's nowhere to go, there's nothing I can do. And third, his pursuit in your life is to make you feel defeated. He wants to make you feel like you have lost, like there is no hope for you, like there is no hope for our country, he wants to make you feel like there's no hope for your family. He wants to make you feel like there's no hope for your marriage. He wants to make you feel like there's no hope in your workplace. His goal is to make you feel defeated. So he's constantly gonna feed lies into your life, things that are untrue. And when we start to begin to believe these lies, we're actually believing if you can place yourself back in that imagery of those people with those costumes on, they actually had no power. We're believing the lives of someone who has no power over your life. All he can do is lie, 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 lie. And we start to think the what ifs, we become restless, we feel defeated, we feel exhausted, we feel tired, and we feel hopeless. So today, um, I wanna ask you guys a, a very simple question that is so impactful to me and, and to you. I'm not excluded from this question, but what are some of the lies that you all have believed over this past year that has taken your eyesight from God being the one pursued in your life? What are some of the lies to the people online today that you all have believed in? I wanna ask this to our team today, and I got some time to spend with you. Carly, you had an awesome answer of some of the lies that, that you had believed this past year that I, I'd love for you to share. Yeah, of course. Um, over this last year, when I was thinking about that question, I thought of how I continued to believe that I needed to strive. That was a word that kept coming up in my head that the Lord revealed to me, that I needed to do more, perform, or achieve to earn favor and approval. 
And so this caused a cycle of actually becoming busier and busier, even if it was a false busy. And it um, caused me to lose the time to be still with the Lord. And so it was this constant refocusing, reshifting of what am I elevating? What am I saying yes to above my yes to being with the Lord and to resting with the Lord? So I had to, start to switch that and think the opposite of, I actually need to learn to rest with the Lord first and then operate out of that rest, mm. operate out of being full and knowing that his approval is most important and that, um, yeah, I already have his favor because I'm his child. So it's so good. Yeah, you were, and I have talked a lot. Would you share, yeah, what God's been speaking to you? Um, yeah, it also goes along those lines with, with feeling like now I can't do all that I wanted to do or, or all that I am capable of doing and finding that there was so much identity resting on activism other than obedience to God. And I feel like last year, God just placed us all in a position and placed me in a position of really just disarming everything that you were able to hide, that I was able to hide in activism day to day. And he just wanted to spend time with his daughter, his son. And it was... It was a very challenging thing. It's not easy to let go of things you believed and hold on to for so long. Mm. So today, uh, we want to speak into what happens now when he becomes the one pursuit of your life. And uh, I want to speak this over your life. When God becomes the one pursuit, because he will, amen? Everyone agree with that? God will become the one pursuit of your life, of my life, to know him and be near him. This is what happens. Uh, we move from being restless to restful. You guys can write this down today. God wants to take you from being restless to restful, to full of rest. Psalm 91, verse one. Uh, we've talked about Psalm 91 over this past year so many times. But this verse says, he who dwells in the shelter, that's someone who is meeting with God. That's someone who has the one pursuit. In the, he who dwells in the shelter will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. God is wanting you to take your eyes off the what ifs in your life and on the one who was, who is, and is to come. I wanna say that again. God is inviting you to take your eyes off all the what ifs and to fix your eyes on the one who was, who is, and is to come. He wants to take you from this feeling of being trapped to being free. He wants to bring you into freedom this year. When he becomes the one pursuit of your life to know him and be near him, God is going to release freedom over your eyes. We're no longer gonna care what people think. I love Haley sharing her testimony this morning. She says, I didn't care what anyone thought about me anymore. That's what God wants to bring you out into this place where we're no longer living to please the people around us. We're living to please him, to know him and be near him. Uh, an imagery that God gave me this week as I was, I was praying over this one specific point of being free, God gave me this image of literally going in front of the Grand Canyon. Have you guys, anyone been to the Grand Canyon before? Couple, so you guys know uh, what this view is like, but 
it was this imagery of me coming to the Grand Canyon but having an iPad. And I was consumed with the iPad. And God was saying, Ethan, put down the iPad and see the beauty that's in front of you. And it was so powerful that God spoke this truth over me because it's like you and I, we get glued to what's going on around us. And God is just inviting us to take this iPad down and look at him and see his beauty, to see him for who he is. And out of that place, God releases freedom. I think one of the signs that God has now become the one pursuit of your life is you and I become in awe of so many different things. We become in awe of who he is. We become in awe of what he's doing. When you start to become in awe of his beauty, of his creation, you know you're no longer numb anymore. And the enemy is so longing to make you numb and to just float through life. <clears throat> the last thing that God wants to do, he wants to take you from feeling defeated to being victorious. If you guys would write this down. <clears throat> Excuse me. This truth that you and I are victorious. The thing that we fear the most, which is death, has been defeated. Amen. Jesus has defeated the number one thing we fear today. Death has been defeated. You and I have victory in the name of Jesus for all of eternity because of what he's done. You and I no longer have to fear what could happen in our lives. We get to walk in victory knowing that Jesus has paved the path for us to be victorious for the rest of our lives. And so I understand um, that we have so much going on in our lives. There's so much happening, uh, but the Lord is showing you and me what can happen when our one pursuit becomes knowing him and loving him. You see, David, David was not some little shepherd boy when he was writing this scripture. David was the king of Israel. And this was in a time period where it was the most powerful kingdom operating. David's form of leadership had gone to the very top. And as the top, with all the wealth, with all the power, with all the fame, with all the success, David had one pursuit in his life. See, God wants to give all of us, he has given all of us places of leadership in our life. He's made you uh, a parent, he's made you a student, he's made you a boss, he's made you a grandparent, and beside all of us, we hold places of leadership. And the time in our life where we will be the leaders that God is calling us to be, just like David, is when God becomes the one pursuit. And so I wanna put a little feet to this um, and ask you guys this question today. With all you have going on, okay? We all have a lot going on. With all that you have going on, what does God, what does it look like to make God the one pursuit in your life? As you guys are thinking of that in your life, uh, Amos, we're talking, I want you to share with us uh, what God was laying on your heart with this.
Yeah, absolutely. So this, uh, this past week, I actually went to lunch with a friend of mine, and he showed me a paper where he had um, some of the goals written out for his uh, new year, about seven different categories. And so he had the categories of all the things that he wanted to achieve, and then he had a scripture on how he was going to use that scripture to achieve those goals. And I think what we realized towards the end of that lunch is that we had put it in the wrong order. Mm. And I think sometimes if we just use, okay, here's some scriptures to get me to this end goal, then we really haven't made God the one pursuit. Mm. We're really pursuing the thing behind it. And so what we had to do was put, okay, here's what God says about my family. Here's what God says about my health. Here's what God says about my finances. I'm going to pursue that. And so everything that happens in between there is only to get back to God's word. So good. I'd love for you to share. So recently, I was hiking up this really large mountain in the Smoky Mountains. A beautiful day. I was with a friend, and I was feeling like you're talking about kind of not restful, but restless, and literally going up this mountain. But also in my mind, thinking, I don't know. And I was expressing this to my friend. I don't know how I can be all that I need to be. How can I be all that I need to be for Kurt? How can I be as a, as a wife, as a, as a parent, as a mom, as a grandparent, as a mentor, as we do ministry together, as a daughter of an 87 and 85-year-old? How, how am I the friend I need to be? How do I do all this? I just started to feel like things are picking up. Our life's getting busier. How can I allocate the amount of time and be all I can be for, for everyone? And it's like the Lord, he said, you know how to do that. You know how to do it. And I remember that in Revelation 3.20, he says to all of us, I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking on your heart. And it's as if the Holy Spirit said to me, you're made in my image. You too knock. And that's what I have to do. I have to knock, not just on Sunday, not just when I'm here. I'm going to knock on Monday. I'm going to knock on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. If I get tired of knocking, I'm going to knock some more. And I'm going to knock and knock. That's me. I'm going to be persistent and keep knocking. (laughs) Because I know there's a door of opportunity. There is a door that leads to his will. And there's a door that leads to his presence in my life. And if I don't knock, I'm not going to tap into that. And if I do have that as my number one pursuit, Ethan, as you're talking about, then I'm going to be the wife. I'm going to be the mom. I'm going to be the parent, the, the grandparent, the daughter, the mentor, the, the friend, the, as we do ministry together. That is, that's the answer, Ethan. I have to knock. So good. Um, today... The title of this Sunday is this word, adore. And what I truly believe of why we've talked of what we've talked about to lead us to this point is that you and I will never adore someone that we don't know and whom we haven't spent time with. Adoration is a byproduct of someone who we have spent time with and someone we know. And so the word today that we're inviting, that God is inviting us into, is to begin to adore 
him. But adoration comes when you know him and you're near him. And so the pursuit, the opportunity in your life is to know him and be near him. I wanna encourage you guys that we as a church, we never were designed to be your meal replacement. You can't come on Sunday to get your meal for the week. The Lord is inviting you and me to begin to meet with him each and every day. So why do we gather? Uh, As I was praying for this, God gave me this image. Uh, You guys may laugh at this, but it's the thought of the Transformer movie, okay? (laughs) When the Transformer is almost like blown into pieces, right? But then you can start seeing how these little body parts of this Transformer start to crawl back together. You guys remember this scene? And as it forms back to being one body. See, you and I are different body parts in the body of Christ. And God's intention for us us to meet with him. Jesus said, a time is coming where you meet with me in spirit and in truth. His invitation is to meet with him each and every day. And as we go out into this world, we begin to operate. Because when we know him, we then become like him. We see that in our kids, right? Our kids become like the people they know. And it's no different for you and I. When we pursue him, we become like him. And so our pursuit is to go out into this world, but then onto Sunday, as we enter into the meeting place, it's almost like the body is just crawling back together. And we get to see each other's faces. We get to love each other. We get to spend time with each other. We get to come together and give the Lord an offering. The whole plan and purpose was never for the church like we, we saw throughout all of history. The plan and design was never for this to be a place where you just come to to hear about God but that this be a place to encourage you. The most intimate place that God wants to meet with you is when no one else is watching. 